Friend, please help Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry by supporting the cost to produce Spirit-Filled Radio and Podcast for this current fiscal year. You can become a partner with Spirit-Filled Hearts by donating monthly. Your contributions make a difference in the lives of all those who listen to our radio shows and podcasts. Thank you for your support. Go to spiritfilledhearts.org and click on the donate button. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. Coming up on today's podcast. One of my favorite Christians is Tim Tebow. He was a pivotal player in my faith in college because I saw his witness. Imagine him receiving the Eucharist and being on fire for faith through that. Those are the people like we need to bring souls to Christ to the Eucharist. And I think pointing them to Eucharistic miracles and the science behind that will help them say, huh, maybe there's something there. Hey friend, welcome back to the Spirit-Filled Media Podcast with Deacon Steve Greco. So glad you're with us for part two of this remarkable conversation between Deacon Steve and Ray Grijalba from the wildly popular The Joy of the Faith YouTube channel. Now here's a question that's been rolling around in my head. Why is it that one YouTube channel takes off like wildfire, while another one that may have similar content struggles to get any traction? Once you give a listen to our guest, you'll no doubt see it's a natural outflow of the passion that he brings to the subject. As we continue with part two, Deacon Steve poses a question about false declarations. Has the church ever declared, uh, say, a Eucharistic miracle, let's say, as false? They have, and that is where I think the church gets a lot of authenticity. I think it's very helpful to see that not everything that someone says is a miracle is, because we realize that there's always faith and reason, right? There's the science that needs to be verified before we declare something as a miracle. So in November 2015, there was an alleged miracle in Kearns, Utah, and the investigation showed that it wasn't actually blood, that the appearance had changed, and there was a red bread mold uh, instead of blood. So a lot of skeptics will say, oh, that's just mold. You should know that. But no, we can say, no, our church is actually on the diocesan website for that diocese saying, you know, we did an investigation and it came up as not a miracle. So it, again, speaks to the authenticity of the church, showing that we don't declare everything a miracle, but there are things that are miracles. So let's and, talk uh, about three of the ones that we're going to focus on here today. The first one was Lancianos. So that was back in the 8th century. We'd alluded to that earlier. But a priest was having a hard time believing in the true presence. And when he said the words of consecration, parts of the host turned into flesh. Incredible. It's still on display today in Lanciano or Lanciano, Italy. It's beautiful to see. It's so powerful. Then we look into one. This is one of my favorites. Um, it was actually overseen by Pope Francis back when he was a cardinal in Buenos Aires. So in, in 1996, uh, this priest, fellow Al, Father Alejandro Pazet, was informed there was a host sitting in a candlestick on the side of the church. It was dusty, so rather than consuming it, he put it in a bowl of water to dissolve, and two weeks later, there was a, a blood-like substance that appeared with the host, like on the host, together. It sat there, and they put it in a little container, in a separate tabernacle, and three years later, Pope Francis started the investigation. Now, this is where the science gets really cool, because what happened was they brought it to a several doctors, and they saw that there were white blood cells present in the tissue. Again, the tissue was heart tissue. What was most amazing was that so white blood cells, for those that might not know, they're basically the soldiers of the body. 
they only appear when there is disease or trauma. So there was some trauma that happened to this person's heart, which that would uh, coincide very well with Jesus, wouldn't it? Perfectly. So what happened was they brought it to a renowned forensic pathologist, Dr. Frederick Zugaby. He's been on the History Channel, taught at Columbia University, performed over 10,000 autopsies in his career. So identifying a cause of death was something that he was very well-versed in. So he analyzed it and discovered that this was from the left ventricle, which pumps blood to the rest of the body. And he, he said in his statement, he actually wrote this down and signed it, that there was a severe blow to the chest over the heart, which would have, again, coincided with the scourging at the pillar. And he was not informed of the history of, of the material. So we see there this being analyzed by someone that was so highly regarded. He wasn't just some doctor in a random place. He was used and referenced by the History Channel in some of the documentaries that they made. And he said this was heart tissue from the myocardium and that there was trauma due to it. So we see a different perspective here that we hadn't seen before. Before, they were just heart tissue, things like that. But here we see that, yes, there are white blood cells present showing that there was that trauma. But the thing that, again, looking at this from a science perspective, that's most amazing is that tissues decay over time, right? After someone dies, things begin to deteriorate. Yes. This tissue still had white blood cells present, and these white blood cells normally die within 48 hours. So here we have three years between when the miracle initially occurred and when it's put into a slide. And after three years, there are still white blood cells present. I talked to a pathologist. He said there's no rational explanation for that to occur unless it was put in formaldehyde or something like that. The samples were tested for that, and that did not come up. So even Dr. Zugaby himself, after stating, yeah, this is you know from someone that was beaten across the chest, he said, I highly doubt that that could be really just a piece of tissue placed in water. So, but again, showing the miracle of this, that even the doctor that analyzed it was like, man, that's, that's hard to believe. We have it on camera saying it's hard to believe. And you can watch that video uh, on my YouTube channel. So it's amazing to see that we have something documented so well that we can see the analysis performed and the disbelief at the doctor performing it. But that's really what it is, right? We say, Lord, I don't believe, help my unbelief. Amen. I think it's really amazing or really saddening to think that this miracle occurred because someone put the body of Christ in a candlestick rather than receiving it. You know, when we, when we talk about the disbelief, I think this is an instance where God says, okay, whoever this person was, you might not have believed that this is truly God, this was me, <laughs> but I'm going to show you in this instance and show the world that through this disbelief, again, with Lanciano, a priest was having a hard time believing, but God will confirm your belief through science, which we've seen here, which is pretty amazing. But in 2006, there was, uh, in Tixla, Mexico, there were two priests and a nun distributing communion during Mass. And the nun was surprised as she brought Saborium over to show Father that a red liquid began to come out of the host. So analysis was completed years later by labs in Mexico and Bolivia. They discovered that the blood is AB, which is the same as Lanciano, uh, Shradipurin. So we see that uniformity there, that it's the AB blood type, that again, it's human blood and that it's also heart tissue. If you go to my YouTube channel, you'll be able to see the documentation on this, because so many times you can hear, oh, well, this is a miracle, this is a miracle, but where was the write-up? You know, who actually performed this? We have that in these miracles, so you can uh, check that out on my YouTube channel under the Science and Faith playlist. 
and this is The Joy of the Faith. Please check it out. Now, how has the media responded to Eucharistic miracles? <laughs> you know, I think it's really amazing because when something special happens on a secular level, everyone wants to cover it. But when these Eucharistic miracles happen, no one wants to put their name behind it because the ramifications, as we mentioned before, would be shattering. You know, uh, the Catholic world covers it pretty well. You know, on the Feast of Corpus Christi, they cover on EWTN, the Eucharistic miracles, things like that. But they actually have been kind of critical. And Poland is a great example. So Poland's known as a very Catholic country, things like that. But there was a, a miracle in Sokolka, and uh, there were two pathologists that analyzed this uh, miracle. And the universities that they worked for actually wrote an article where the title of their article is The Medical University Dis- Dissociates Itself from the Research on the Quote-Unquote Miracle in Sokolka. They almost make it that the doctors did this illegally and, like, quietly off, you know, without getting authorization from their leadership to analyze this. So it's really unfortunate to see that, you know, those medical professionals that have this experience can sometimes be silenced. And it's so bad that the two doctors that did it, they wouldn't even put their name on the record as saying anything because it sounds like they received a reprimand for doing this analysis. So it's unfortunate to see that, but, you know, that's where, again, maybe someone listening is is influential in the media and can, you know, help promote this message even more, because I think that's what we really need is, you know, you look at the Catholic Church in the 50s and, you know, Warner Brothers actually made a movie on Our Lady of Fatima. So can you imagine today Warner Brothers putting out a movie on something Catholic? I think that's where we need to really work through the culture and, and work through our connections to help bring the faith to others and share this truth. I will say, Deacon, that there are several instances of bishops asking for supposed miracles to be discarded rather than analyzed. So I think we really face that across the board, and it's unfortunate, but that's where we need to persist in faith and, and really utilize the media, if possible, to help get this word out and uh, share the truth behind the, these Eucharistic miracles. My brothers and sisters, one of the most important things we can ever do is say yes to Jesus, yes to the Mass, yes to the sacraments, yes to the real presence, because it is Jesus on that altar, that bread, that wine becomes the real presence of Jesus, his flesh, his blood. Read Thomas Aquinas, obviously, who was one of the great church doctors and leaders. Read what he has to say about the Eucharist. I mean, the more that we do the research, the more we realize that indeed, what a gift this is. And yet again, as you might imagine, because we're always involved in spiritual warfare, we're always involved with the fact the enemy does not want us to believe that this is the real presence. And we have skeptics out there. And what do the skeptics say about these Eucharistic miracles, uh, Ray? You know, Deacon, I, I must say, it really saddens me to see the response of skeptics on Reddit, different chats and things like that, because um, they don't hold their punches back uh, from the way they speak down on uh, the comments. And it's really saddening. But basically what I've seen, and this is the same, I, I did a video on the Shroud of Turin with uh, citing all these peer-reviewed scientific journals and Skeptics were like, nope, they would raise any issue they could. But what they see with Eucharistic miracles is unless there's something called a chain of custody, right? They won't believe that it's really Jesus unless there's a 24-hour surveillance system 
that shows the host at every single moment from when the miracle occurs to when it is scientifically analyzed to the scientists going and, and saying, yes, this is this, you know, specimen, things like that. They won't believe unless they receive that. And my response is, I don't think you could ever get that. You know, there's a certain amount of faith that happens with every uh, analysis that's performed, right? You never know that what's being performed is actually what, that the specimen that's being reviewed is actually the one that was provided. So that's really one of the challenges that they face. They also think it could be faked or it could, the miracle could have been um, designed using a different sample or a previous tissue that had been coated in formaldehyde or something like that. But in, in speaking with the pathologist last night, this would almost be impossible. Unfortunately, those that are out there that are skeptical will probably remain skeptical. I've done my best to put out articles from the actual laboratories that did this analysis. But again, unless there's that perfect chain of custody, they may not believe. And that's where I think we really need to reflect on Scripture, right? There are those where, is it Paul that says, for those, you could provide nothing to make them believe. No question about it. You know, we know from Matthew 7, 7, Luke eleven nine, asking you'll receive, seeking you'll find, knocking the door will be open. Remember Thomas doubted, but more than ever, one of the most important prayers is, Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, open my eyes. In 2 Corinthians three sixteen and following, it talks about how there's a veil over our eyes. But when we pray, when we ask, when we seek, when we truly want to find the truth, that veil is removed. And then as it says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says, then we have freedom. And I believe one of the most freeing things we could ever experience is understanding the real presence, understanding the fact this is Jesus, understanding how much he loves us as St. Mother Teresa talks about that he allows himself to be in this bread, in this wine. This is such an important work that you're doing and ministry that you're doing. Right now, today, we're definitely under siege. I mean, in my lifetime, I mean, obviously you're a young man, especially in comparison to me, but bottom line is this, is that the world is is really under siege with COVID-19, with all the issues impacting us and all the worry and concern and so forth, more than ever we need faith, more than ever we need to understand that we have through the Mass the true presence of Jesus Christ. I believe so strongly in that we are in a war with the enemy, with Satan, with the demonic angels. And if you're Satan, if you're part of that demonic world, what would you want to do? You would want to stop people from going to mass. You'd want to stop people from receiving the true body and blood of Jesus Christ. What an attack upon us, right? And so it's so, so important for us to pray for the church, to pray for the priests, for the ability to receive the body and blood of Christ. More than ever, it's critical that we pray that we believe, that we step out in faith. Your thoughts on all that? I'm a firm believer that us living now, we are going to change the world through the Holy Spirit, and, and obviously through the Eucharist, which is the source of life and the source of joy. So my favorite Bible verse is John 1, 5, light shine in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it or overcome it in some translation. We have a great opportunity now, a great opportunity to show the courage and joy Christ can bring us. 
I'm sure we all have family or friends that have left the faith or, you know, are, are now in that, that Protestant church and they're on fire with their faith. And they're, you know, why would I come to the Catholic Church? Because what is the essence of Catholicism? It's receiving the Eucharist. All of the other sacraments flow from the Eucharist, right? We go to confession so that we can receive the Eucharist. We are baptized, so we are part of the body of Christ and can receive the body of Christ. But the question that I think we all need to ask ourselves is, how much do I believe that the body of Christ can change my life? Do I go to every Mass, and after every Mass, when I receive Christ, I pray my thanksgiving, and I'm like, God, I can do anything through you now. I think that's really where we need to reflect, and I hope these Eucharistic miracles help bring that to light, especially for those that are out and really have a hard time believing. Uh, one of my favorite Christians is Tim Tebow. Uh, he was a pivotal player in my faith in college, you know, helping me be pure and things like that, because I saw his witness. Imagine him receiving the Eucharist and being on fire for faith through that. Those are the people, like, we need to bring souls to Christ, to the Eucharist, and I think pointing them to Eucharistic miracles and the science behind that will help them say, huh, maybe there's something there. Maybe there's something in the Church. Maybe, you know, a lot of people can look at the Church and feel like, oh, it's not in great shape right now. But at the same time, through the power of the Holy Spirit in receiving Christ, we can change the world, and I think that we will. I can tell you there's so many times in my own life that I've been exhausted. You know, I just want to give up, you know, but the Eucharist has allowed me to persevere, and I pray that it'll do that for you as well. You know, it just takes one soul to change the world. Father Mike did this video on—I uh, I have it on my YouTube channel. It's my number one video. It's the most inspiring thing I've ever heard. That's what it's called. Think about what one saint did. Think about what Thomas Aquinas did for the Church. Think about what Teresa of Avila did for the Church. Think about what Peter, of course, did for the Church, what Paul did for the Church, what Our Lady, of course, did for the Church. You can be that person that changes the world. And maybe maybe the world that you change is just the life of one person. You know, maybe you're like, oh, I, I don't have a big influence. But you bring one soul closer to Christ. And how do you do that? Through the Eucharist, because it's not I, but Christ living through me. And He's living through you through the Eucharist that you receive His heart, right? We receive His heart in the Eucharist, which these miracles show. All of these miracles show that it's the heart of Jesus. We receive His heart, and He transforms our heart to help love the way that He would love, so we can be Christ's hands in the world. Can I sing Alleluia now, by the way? Alleluia! (laughs) You're absolutely right. And that's why, again, our ministry, Spirit-Filled Hearts, it is about a metanoia. It is about complete change in which Jesus says, behold, I make all things new. When you believe in the real presence, when you go to mass on a routine basis, you're transformed when you believe, when you say, my Lord and my God, I believe. It is not a coincidence that we call this show Empowered by the Spirit, because you see, we receive the Holy Spirit at baptism, at confirmation. But as a seven-year-old girl once asked me, did I receive the Holy Spirit at baptism? I said, yes. And then she asked me a critical question. Why is he hiding? My brothers and sisters, you have to let the Holy Spirit be released. Come, Holy Spirit, and kindle in me the fire of your love. Come, Holy Spirit. And when that happens and you believe, then when you go to Mass, receive the body and blood of Christ, the real presence, that real presence will transform you because you allow it to transform you, because you allow the Holy Spirit to be released within you. Do I hear an amen, Ray? 
I'm in, yeah. <laughs> so I just can't begin to tell you how thrilled we are that you, you've been on the show. We'd like to have you back again. We certainly support your ministry, the joy of the faith. We ask everyone to go on YouTube and, and be able to experience that. You're doing amazing work for the Lord, and I thank you for being on the show. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this wonderful man, Ray Grahaba, for the joy of the faith ministry that he has. We ask for that we believe in the real presence of Jesus Christ, that we believe in these miracles, So, because every Mass is a miracle. We ask, Lord God, for the Holy Spirit to be released within us. We ask, Lord God, for us to be transformed by your love. Through the intercession of Our Lady of Guadalupe, our Blessed Mother, through the power of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, I bless you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. And that's a wrap. Catch up with all of our podcasts and exciting new media right here at this site. Or you can always pop over to spiritfilledhearts.org to learn more on what we're all about. spiritfilledhearts.org We'll catch up with you next time with Deacon Steve and the team. This podcast is a ministry of Spirit-Filled Media Incorporated. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider supporting Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry with a one-time or monthly gift. Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We are only funded by generous donors who believe in our mission to evangelize.